Hey y'all, it's Barb. It's Shay. We're here to talk about a murder that's gonna knock you off your feet. So giddy up y'all, this is gonna be a wild one. Hey y'all, welcome back. I hope you all have a, had a good weekend. How was your weekend, Barb? It was really good. Went and saw Venice, so um, that was pretty cool. Celebrated her birthday and got to spend time with her. How was yours? It was good. I got to spend time with Mima and see her and, and my niece and nephew uh, went with me as well. So that was fun. Um, well, I'm glad you got to see your niece too. I know y'all don't get to see each other often, so that's always fun. But don't forget, next week is already the last week of February. That's so crazy. Like, this month flew by, don't you think? Yes. And I don't know if that's just because it has short amount of days compared to every month but yeah it really went by super fast yeah it's crazy but make sure you tune in next week for not only the voters episode but barb's episode also um also don't forget about merch and we will be posting a march voters episode so we're back to voting um for march so super excited for that um but yeah so let's get into today's episode it's kind of long but shouldn't be too bad um, I got most of my information from Wikipedia. I got some from biography.com. I couldn't find who wrote that, that article. Um, and then I got one from rollingstone.com and the articles called flashback Waco cult showdown ends in disaster by Erica Kalila. I think that's how you say it. Um, so yeah, if that article didn't tell you what we're talking about, I will. <laughs> So I decided to do something a little different for this episode because last week's episodes were pretty rough, I feel like, um, you know, with both of ours. And I wanted to take, sorry about that, guys. I wanted to take our minds to something a little less gory. I mean, it still ends in murder and everything, but I want to kind of do something a little different. So today we'll be talking about Vernon Wayne Howell. Or, as some may know him as David Koresh, he was known as one of the leaders of the or of the Davidians, or the Branch Davidians. The name has changed a couple times. So, if you have not heard of the Branch Davidians, it was a cult that was located in Waco, Texas. And it was founded by a man named Victor Hotoff in 1955. Um, after he died, his wife Florence took over... And once she failed, like, to be the leader and everything, the branch would end up splitting, basically. And I guess it, it all has to do with, like, what people believe in. And if someone is trying to be the new leader and there's already a leader, then people decide who they want to go with. But this ended up splitting right down the middle, basically. And they would have another branch called the Branch Davidians. So they split up in two branches and one was called the Branch Davidians. And it would be led by another couple. So one side was led by Florence and the other side was led by a man named Benjamin and his wife, Louise, and their last names were Rodin. And the belief was that God would come to bring his followers home once they were matured and they were ready. Um, so 
today I'm going to be kind of taking it through um, kind of the life of David. I just wanted to give like a quick like background of how the cult came along. Um, so I want to go through David's younger life all the way up to his death. So let's start from the beginning. So David was born in Houston, Texas in 1959. His mom was actually 14 years old when he was born. And that's so crazy. She is so little. Yes, uh, that is small. But I mean, I had Alice at 16. I was only, I mean, two years being that young, yes, it is a big difference, but in retrospect to me, it's, like, not that big of a difference. Yeah. Especially but, for, like, back then. I mean, young oh yeah, people. True. In the 50s, like yeah. Yeah. Because our, like, our grandparents were quite a bit of a big difference in age as well. Which, I guess, in our eyes now, it's like, oh my gosh. Because at 14 years old, that her boyfriend or whoever was at the time he was at the time was quite a bit older than her so it was really hard already but the father whose name was bobby would actually end up leaving him and his mother for another woman who was also a teenager so his father kind of had like type i guess like i went for it as i didn't think about it as in the 50s and this was kind of normal um so yeah, but I believe when he was born, his father was around 20 years old and his mother was 14. So he left one child basically for another. Um, but after he left, his mother would end up moving in with a raging alcoholic man. Like this man was very angry and was always drunk and probably did some, some bad things. There's nothing that says for sure, but I can just assume um, by the way they described him, but they would live with him until his mother decided to take off with her boyfriend and leave David behind. So not only was he stranded by his dad, but that he was then stranded by his mother and she would leave him with, with her mother or basically his, his grandmother on his mom's side. And her name was Erlene. I think that's how you say that. But then about three years later, his mother would come back. He was seven at the time. And she was then married to a man named Roy. And I don't know if this was the same guy who, who was her boyfriend. I don't know all of that. But these two, Roy and his mother, would end up having another son named Roger together. There's not much information that goes, that goes further into that whole family. But after high school, around the age of 19, he would kind of follow in his father's footsteps and would start a relationship with a 15-year-old who would end up getting pregnant. So basically the whole, like his parents, he followed them exactly. And his father would come back into his life around 17 years old. So I'm sure, I'm just going to assume that his father didn't have an issue with this relationship if he was already used to being with younger women and getting them pregnant. But one day he sat down to read his Bible and when he opened it, oh, sorry, I completely missed that. After he started this relationship and got her pregnant, he kind of like started putting himself into church, I guess, to kind of change his ways or whatever. But he would end up starting a relationship with the pastor's daughter of the church. And then one day he would sit down to read his Bible. And when he opened it to a random page, 
he had read the first verse that popped out and it was from Isaiah. And he took this verse as a sign to tell the pastor about his daughter and his relationship. Um, of course, he's a pastor, so he's going to be angry that this man in out of marriage, um, out of wedlock, was having a whole relationship and sleeping with her and everything. So, of course, the pastor threw him out right then and there, and he went on his way. But this didn't stop him because he continued going after the pastor's daughter. And he would end up being kicked out of the congregation completely. He was not allowed back at all because he kept trying to go after his daughter. So basically, he kind of took it as a sign that God was saying, you need to be with her. That's what he was telling people. But and this will this will kind of make a trend for him later on through the story. Like he will continue saying the same thing over and over again. But this is what led him to go to Waco and join the Branch Davidians. It didn't say how he found, found out about them or anything like that. But he would waste no time with inserting himself into the cult. And he would become like the, the main guitar player and singer at their headquarters at Mar Mount Carmel Center. This was just the beginning, though. Because David started telling other members that God wanted him to have a child with a woman that was part of the cult. Not, not not just any woman, though. Like, he, God did not tell him, oh, I want you to pick somebody. He said God wanted him to be with, with the, he wanted to be the father of the chosen one with Louise Roden. And as you might remember, this was the wife of Benjamin, who was the founder of the Branch Davidians, that part. Um, this was after Benjamin had died, but... This was also while Luis was the leader. So as, I don't know if it's Lois or Luis. I, it might be Lois. So I might be saying it wrong. But, um, but you know, it kind of says right there that he's trying to insert his way into making it to the top by sleeping with the, the mother or by sleeping with the leader. You know what I mean? Yeah. And saying like, oh, God told me to do it. So we must like, we must not... Uh like lose faith or go against God's will. Exactly. Um, so after this, actually believed him, like was like, okay, God said this. So Louise started giving David bigger roles and she started letting him teach members his own views. So not only was it a bigger role, but he was basically kind of starting his own church if you were if, like a religion if you were to say under his views and this would make it kind of like a branch of the branch davidians called the serpent's root and this was an issue for some people and one person in particular was Luis's son george who assumed that after his father passed away that he would be the next leader and he started seeing that david was trying to push his way through so this caused some issues in the group, but that did not stop David from trying to become his own leader. So it seemed David liked to use the same excuse for all women by saying God had sent him a message. Well, apparently God had sent him another message and said that he needed to marry another woman that was in the cult and her name was Rachel, which this marriage for some odd reason actually kind of calmed all the drama in the cult at the moment so i'm from what i can read it seemed like 
George was upset that David was able to have so much power. But George actually did end up becoming the leader later on, which I'll say. But it just seemed like they just constantly butted heads. So they always say it's the calm before the storm, though. Well, this is this was true at the Branch Davidians when a fire tore through a few buildings it would cost about $500,000 to fix all of the repairs. Isn't that insane? Yeah, that's freaking cool. And you know yeah. they didn't have no insurance for that. Well, obviously George was like, oh, this is my time to start some more drama. Because George tried to blame David for starting it. And then David would come back to George and basically say like, this wasn't me. I didn't start this. God started it for some particular reason, but no one knows why. So he basically was trying to use God once again, saying that, oh, God made this happen for a reason. But George would become the leader after his mother passed in 1986. So when George said he didn't, like, said that God did not say this, this was David's fault for sure, his followers also followed like they they understood they were like okay our leader says that he did it so he did it so basically everybody voted david off of the island and not only was he pushed out but so was any of his followers that believed in whatever he was telling them so they would set up shop in palestine texas and i do want to say that david ended up changing his name to follow stuff in the Bible, like his whole name. Um, and he had to go through courts and everything to get it. So it, his official name is David. Um, but this was not the end of his time at the Branch Davidians. He would find out that Lois died and he would see that claim that George had ended up becoming the leader. And then he would find out that George was doing some weird stuff because he said that he had illegally, this was all hearsay, like there is no proof or anything like that. But David has said George had illegally dug up a body to move it and would report it to the police after he found this out. Well, the police were like, okay, well, we need a little bit of proof before we can do anything. So David said, okay, I will get you the proof that you want. Okay, so David and seven armed members made a plan to sneak onto the property to get the evidence that George had dug up this body. Well, when they got on the property, they were seen by George B. So clearly they didn't plan this very long. And this basically kind of started like a war between the two and fires started going off back and forth. And the police would arrive. I don't know how they found out. Somebody might have called. Obviously, if you hear eight men on one side and probably eight more men on the other side shooting, you're going to think something's going on. So the police would arrive and George was shot and hiding behind a tree. And David and the seven men were all arrested and charged with attempted murder. But they were never convicted because the followers were all acquitted and David's case was a mistrial because he basically said that, well, we were trying to go on the property and get this evidence like you asked and he started firing. So we just felt like we needed to protect ourselves, which it could have happened. Like, you you know, like if you're, if you're on this land, I understand it's like 
private property or whatever, but if you're on a land of a, like of a group, I don't know how that works in terms of trespassing, right? Because they're supposed to like welcome anyone. So I don't yeah. know how that worked, but nobody yeah. went to jail. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, I, I don't think that the cops could really do anything because they could probably be in trouble for, for telling them to go get the evidence. Like that's, they're, that's not their job. Like they're not equipped and qualified to go and get evidence for something like that. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like they went on the land and started shooting automatically and was like trying to go on there and trying to go find something that was possibly happening illegally. And I'm sure the police knew sketchy things were happening on this property already. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's kind of like where they went. And around a year later in 1989, George would actually kill a man with an ax and claim that David had sent a man, like sent this man that he killed to kill him. So he basically said that, well, David tried to kill me with by paying this guy to come kill me himself. But he said that he defended, he was trying to defend himself, so on and so forth. But he would later be ruled insane and be sent to a psychiatric hospital in Big Springs, Texas. So George was gone. There was no more George. He was not leader anymore. So along with getting arrested, George also owed the city thousands of dollars, like on back taxes and property and so on and so forth. So his property went up for sale as well. So no longer the leader, no longer up for sale. So David took this as another sign and his followers would raise money and they would end up purchasing the property. So David was now the leader of the Branch Davidians. So as they were moving onto this property, they ended up finding like a meth lab that was left there by some tenants that ran in from George, which, wow, I mean a whole meth lab, but David did the right thing like at this moment by calling the police and having them take it all. Like he was like, I do not want to be responsible for this. So I'm moving on. Come get this off my land. So don't let this fool you though, because David was a predator like his father, which fifties. Okay. But still like now disgusting. Um, So let's kind of go into that. So his teaching included the fact that he should marry or have children with whomever God told him to. His, he called this, quote, spiritual marriage. And David would end up having around 12 children, but not only with his wife, Rachel. He would have it with many different women, whoever God told him he could have a child with. And his wives were not just around the same age. They were as young as 12 years old. 12. And he's like in his 40s or something like that at this point. Yeah, that's crazy. But I mean, certain cults like that still do that today. I know. That's something that hasn't changed even through all this time. Like they still will marry a child, basically. But I feel like he, this, this is kind of just weird to me because I feel like he did this for a reason. So that way he can be a predator and make it seem like it's okay. That's just the vibes that I got off of this whenever I was reading it. I could be wrong, but my vibes were like, he's, he, if, as long as God tells him to, and he tells everybody that God said this, then it's okay. Right. But it's not. Mm -hmm. So he was a predator. 
and he would tell his father his followers that he had the secrets to the end of the world he would tell them that the government would attack the farm and would use firearms which is very likely whenever you're running a, a cult that you're doing illegal things and but with this on the members minds they were scared so they started preparing for the end collecting food making you know collecting illegal weapons and all kinds of stuff but this is kind of when the fbi came in they knew what was happening in this cult and they wanted to end it because they knew about all the illegal i think the illegal weapons were like their main issue because depending on how much they had they could really really hurt some people so it was february 28th 1993 that the fbi would come on the land to try to end the cult they were worried because they knew that children were getting abused and they knew that they were collecting all these illegal things and basically going against the FBI and the government that was all part of their their belief is that the government was coming after them well when the FBI came on the property there was no wait guns gunfire started and it went as long as 2 hours like this whole standoff thing and it would end up killing 6 of the members of the branch civilians and 4 FBI agents but this wasn't the end. So this was just the beginning of a long war and the FBI decided to try different tactics. And one was basically keeping the members awake 24 seven to deprive them from sleep. And this part's so awful. Like I could not imagine this. They would play sounds like rabbits getting shot. Like the like loudspeakers blaring of people shooting rabbits in their screams okay that's a little odd but right isn't that so weird like i don't know but then they would also like start flashing bright lights into the buildings which that's like a good tactic but still rabbits screaming from being shot is i would never want to hear that but before the end happened david said that he would turn himself in he was like okay i give up you can have me and he told this and nobody listened they did not take this serious and 10 days later was when hell broke loose so it was april 19th 1993 the fbi stormed the land and threw tear gas and went to war and they threw like army style tear gas so they would end up killing around 75 members in this fight fires would break loose and everything would burn to the ground like there was basically nothing left and after everything the fbi went around to find bodies but they really wanted the one person that they were looking for and they would find david's body after i don't know how long it took them to find him but he had actually shot himself in the head instead of them killing him and i feel like this for sure could have been handled a different way but we also never know what was happening behind closed doors. Like, I feel like on the outside, the FBI completely overreacted and they did not listen because he said that, okay, I give in. But I mean, they killed children, adults, animals, whatever they, they were shooting at and hit, they killed them. And it just kind of seems like a little much to me that they stormed on the property to do this. But I don't know, what do you think about that? Um, I think that we don't know. Uh, like, I, obviously, all the details aren't always, um, you know, given to the public to 
really know and understand individual cases in something like this, I feel like there wasn't all the information out there for us that there's yeah. probably stuff that was going on behind the closed doors and between the FBI and him that we don't know about. And maybe they felt like this was the only result that they could do in order to not hurt or harm any of the FBI agents. Yeah. And I wonder if like, whenever he said, okay, I give in, if it was, if there were stipulations with it and the government was like, we cannot like, cause maybe he was saying, if you just let me go and escape, I'll stop this or whatever. But this wasn't the end of the branch civilians and the group would actually rename themselves and would open another church in Waco. And there are still people who are part of this church to this day, which, which is like, you can believe in whatever you want to believe, but it's, it's, uh, weird situation when it comes to like a cult but when you turn it into like a church into a belief then it's kind of different because yeah. cults are about like one person forcing all of these things into your mind that aren't true and they're just making it up as they go um, yeah. but yeah so that's pretty much covers today's case what do you think uh i think that's crazy that i've never heard of this one probably because I, I don't really uh look into cults uh i used to watch a tv show that was about a cult and it was like escaping the the cult basically mm -hmm. and it, it's really some crazy stuff that that goes on in there and even though it is a cult or that you may label it as religion if it's illegal then it's illegal you can't exactly. have, have a sexual relationship with somebody with such that age gap and that is a child you just can't do that so you can say it's my religion all you want, but that doesn't make it not illegal in the United States. Exactly. So, um, I don't know. I mean, this was super interesting. I might actually look into this more. Yeah, this was like a super quick like rundown. I kind of was just skipping through everything, but I tried to just go with the highlights of things. But yeah, it was really interesting. I kind of wanted to take it away from goriness and everything, even though it did kind of end crazy, but I didn't go into everything. But yeah, thank you all for joining Barb and I on today's case. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let us know what you think by emailing us at tcwtm2021 at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at Texas Chicks Who Talk Murder with no spaces, Twitter at Texas Chicks Who with the number one, Facebook at Texas Chicks Who Talk Murder. We are also asking that you guys take a minute of your time and give us a five-star review on whichever platform you are using. This will help us reach a larger audience and bring us up on some of the charts. Um, also, please share these stories to your friends and families. So, last but not least, please stay out of the dark places and watch your back because you never know who's lurking. Bye. Bye.